this is episode 200 with Claire Bays. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today we are joined by Claire, a CrossFit athlete, fellow sober human, nutrition coach, and a podcast host herself. We talk about how it's never too late to turn your life around, how you can grow despite your environment and all the circumstances and reasons not to, and we dive into the moment she realized sobriety wasn't a choice, but a necessity for her to get her life back. So, let's dive into it. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. Hello. Claire, welcome to, I think what's hilarious for backstory for context, you were just here last week. Yes. In the podcast studio in my living room. And it wasn't my show. It was with Dom on Pure Ambition. So welcome back. Yeah. I'm excited for you to have like the home show now, right? Yeah, guys, for context, I'll just tell you that we went and did, I guess he'll probably tell you this, but we went and did a CrossFit workout before this. And then we got back over here and he says his studio is his living room, which is facts, but it's beautiful. There are so many plants. It's a great setup. So you've done an amazing job. And then he fed me and it was pancakes, Kodiak cakes with blueberries and what, lemon? Little, there was no lemon in it, but okay. um, I always want it's so much better with lemon for for context for future reference okay. but almond poppy seed and then we put some vanilla extract and some cinnamon in there as well so good so i'm getting the like royal treatment so he can sit here and say what he wants about the fact that this is living room but like this is dope because i just got fed delightful food and here we are perfect Hello. Well, well welcome how are you feeling my heart rate's finally down after that metcon that you threw me through so i appreciate it oh i feel great Today is supposed to be my active recovery day in my programming, <laughs> but uh, I knew- It was very active. It was an active. Was it recovery? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't too heavy or anything like that, which is like the primary thing is just making sure and it wasn't, you know, going so fast that I was like out of control or anything. So it was totally okay. If anything, I mean, on active recovery days, I want to like actually move blood and so mm. get around and move a bit. So um, yeah, the, the capacity, the, the volume that we did was totally appropriate. I was about to say, well, recovery is not created equal. I know you know that yes. uh, for sure. Yeah. I want to start kind of there because you made a comment earlier to me that you were like, I wasn't an athlete and I had to like figure this thing out as you've gotten the CrossFit recently. You find yourself in some pretty competitive rooms yeah. and getting to know you and having just worked out with you. I'm like, there's definitely a competitive edge in there. When, at what point in your life did you realize like, oh shoot, like there's something here. Like I got to. I gotta compete yeah. and, and why CrossFit of all, all things? Yeah, so my journey with, so, so I was not an athlete. I did not play any sports growing up. And so it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I got into gyms. And I remember I was, I was actually a bar manager at the time. And so a handful of the guys that I worked with, we were gonna run an obstacle course race together. Mm. And I was like, oh, if I go to that CrossFit gym, they'll make me do cardio. And I'm not gonna do that on my own. 
So by then I had been going to like a globo gym, as we call them, whatever. I had been going to a gym and doing some of my own just like weight training uh, with very little understanding of what I was doing. I did not have proper mechanics. And that all stemmed simply from the fact that I had been, you know, I battled eating disorders and um, my weight fluctuated pretty dramatically in early adulthood. And so growing up, eating fried chicken every day. Like it was just a journey of, okay, I don't want to be morbidly obese because my father's morbidly obese and my sister was. And so, and my, my father is no longer morbidly obese, which is amazing. Um, but anyway, that was what I grew up and it was modeled around mm. me. And so I saw how it negatively impacted their quality of life. And I just didn't want it. I really didn't want it. My dad's had open heart surgery. There's been, you know, so, so growing up around that i just i was like oh no as soon as i started to really struggle with my weight i was like i can't do this i can't do this and i didn't know what that meant so then i started to learn head knowledge but then you take you have to figure out how to apply that and that takes a very long time it certainly took me a long time so anyway started with nutrition first and bumped really hard into walls mm. developed cutting disorders did the whole binge eating that's the thing that i actually still today struggle with emotional eating. So I, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I don't I don't still have my moments. Um, but, but that and I did battle with some bulimia and orthorexia, things like that. So anyway, those, eating was where I went first and was trying to figure it out there and then eventually started to go to a gym because that was another thing. If we look at all these trends in my life, it's seeing people with a quality of life that is better than mine, they have something I want. Mm. And so then eventually reaching the pain point of the other to where I'm willing to go ahead and get uncomfortable and go there. So don't get me wrong, when I first started at that CrossFit gym, I would drive around the block and drive home. It terrified me because the way I saw it is those people knew what they were doing and they belonged there and mm -hmm. I didn't. And that's where I was, I was wrong. You know, I, I feel so strongly now as I get to be this person that's perceived as this expert in the field, uh, which is just such a like blessing. And as I just don't even, it feels very surreal to get to be that person today. Um, but you know, those people, those experts, those people who are really proficient at that thing often actually look at that new person and feel like they belong there the most. And so if anyone's listening, that is that person that's just trying to get in for the first time or get back into it and has a lot of shame around it, just know that those people that, that you're afraid of actually are like so stoked you're there. And so go do the thing. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, veering off of the path, but. I've been doing CrossFit for six and a half years, and um, it's been a very, very slow build. I showed up and couldn't even do a proper air squat. I mean, it was, we started at the bottom and slowly but surely made our way to where we are today, which I still have a ton of room for growth. I love it. And I love that you acknowledge that there's still room Massive to, to grow, right? And yes. that's, I think the beauty of it, you just heard it and you said that journey six and a half years, you still have that mindset, which I think is critical, but that's what a lot of people like you six and a half years ago probably don't realize as you're driving around the block, getting in your own head saying, I don't know, like everyone in there, they got it figured out. Uh, they know how to do all the movements and whatever. The more we can realize like how welcoming these communities actually are, you just have to go in without an ego. You know what I mean? Like going in and being like, Hey, like even today in this workout, it's like, I'm going to let you break down my form. Tell me I'm going to need to take weight off the bar and push some weight around because I know I have so much to learn in that regard from you. And I'm excited to learn that. And that's what I hope people listening in kind of take away. They've 
been waiting to try something new. I look at the running community very similarly. It can be very intimidating from the outside looking in, but I promise you, like once you get in, once you sign up for a race, like it's crazy how supportive mm -hmm. people are in that space because end of the day we all know that like we all have an individual level of heart that we're all finding and going to mm -hmm. it's just it's mutual respect and i don't care how heavy you are what you look like like as long as you're there showing up doing the work for you mm -hmm. i want to respect that mm -hmm. um what is like your biggest focus right now as it pertains to i guess sport and navigating now this content world that you find yourself in <laughs> that you're, you're laughing about because you're like six months ago, a year ago, you probably never would have imagined life is here. Did you create content? <laughs> how, well, let's start there. Like, how is that, how's that, that trans transition and evolution been for you? Okay. So this is just so much to unpack. Perfect. And I have I to, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have to touch on too, that your initial question, I, I kind of veered and then I didn't even fully answer. And you were asking me about the whole, like, identity as an athlete, when did you start to, you know, and, and I think that one of the things I love to touch on for people is the fact that I joined that CrossFit gym in 2016. And I had this narrative inside of my head that went on till 2020. So for four years, I existed in that space and told myself, you're not an athlete. You can't, you never will. And I was also not coachable. And that's another thing that you spoke on today is you let me take the weight off the barbell so that we could focus on the movement pattern, which is uh, that humility is, it gives you strength mm. because now you being coachable means that you're going to make more progress. And, and that was something that within those first handful of years was another thing that I lacked. I wasn't coachable. The coach would come try to give me a cue or try to help me or try to show me how I was moving incorrectly. And I was just so afraid and I was like, look away, don't look at me, don't look at me, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. And then I also didn't have any belief in myself. Mm. And so I didn't think I could fix it. And it wasn't until 2020, the right person said to me, they forced me to do this intermediate competition. I say forced me, I did with a lot of push, uh, choose to do it. And then we did the competition and at the end of every event through the competition, he would say, so if we win this next thing, you know, this is where this puts us on the leaderboard, yada, yada. And I'm like, so I'm just trying not to die. That's it. And <laughs> we wound up winning because that person had a lot more experience as an athlete and their belief and their ability to execute mm. was much higher than mine was. And they were my teammates. And so they gave me such a gift through that experience. And they, and they told me things like, you know, they would observe me in the gym leading up to it and afterwards and just be like, I don't understand why you say that you can't like mm. you just, you're, you're automatically not going to. And then another thing for me was I was eating strictly plant-based for a long time and I was not prioritizing my protein within that. So I was eating a very low protein diet and I was complaining about not being strong for years. I really struggled with strength. And so then they said, I don't understand why you want to keep complaining about this thing, yet you won't take the action that is required to get you the goal that you want to achieve. Mm. And so then I started to prioritize protein. And then what do you know? I started to get better. And then after that competition, we won that competition. And, and then I went on to do another higher level competition and I won that one with a team. They were amazing. And so those things, the narrative started to shift in 2020 for me as far as an athlete goes. And even, a, you know, the now a coach, but as an athlete to say, wait a second, what if you believe that you can? 
And what's so interesting is I've provided for myself since I was 17. I moved out of my parents' home at that time, and I have always taken care of myself monetarily. I've had mm. a job since before you were legally allowed to have a job. And anyway, so I always had this belief in self and ability to take care of myself monetarily. Uh, in, in other areas of life, I had that belief, right? Like mm -hmm. I always say, if you're hungry, you'll eat when it comes to, to business for me because I'll figure it out. I'll get the job, I'll do the thing. I'll, I'll outwork anybody in that space. And I knew it and I was comfortable, but I couldn't apply that into the fitness world for a long time. But I was desperate enough for whatever they had that it just kept showing up. And just for the consumer listening, just keep showing up because over time you will learn to believe that you are capable because you are. So yeah, yeah I didn't even touch on that. Yeah. We can go back to the content creation stuff now. I just wanted to completely round that out that you know it, it took years of showing up to develop that belief in self and to understand that I did need to be coachable. And I did need to be open to new ideas and willing to learn and take a step back to take steps forward, things like that. Do you think now as it pertains to content, you've taken more of that latter approach than how you maybe originally approached CrossFit in 2016? Yeah. I love being the novice. Mm. <laughs> it's so fun too. And that's why I like to go dabble in these different sports and just yeah. come, you know, what are you doing? I'll go do that. You know, last week I was over at on it with Primal Soldier Eric, uh, awesome guy. And he was taking me through all sorts of different things that I'm unfamiliar with, you know, and it's just and, and so I feel like I'm moving like an idiot, you know, whereas that's like he's proficient in that. But it's so fun to go dabble in those things and get uncomfortable in that way today. But so with the content creation stuff. I mean, do you want me to just kind of head straight there as far as my approach to all of that goes? I'm just curious, it's like, what was that learning curve? Because like what I'm hearing in your story mm -hmm. as you're, you're speaking here is there was a level, and I noticed this in my own experience, was, you know, until I learned to just actually embrace being a creator or embrace being an athlete, mm -hmm. it wasn't until that switch flipped that then like, stuff started clicking okay and it sounds like that's what happened to you in your athletic journey that was like it took external environment and teammates to instill a belief where you found yourself even worthy of taking on that identity of like yeah you know what like i can be an athlete i can do this stuff yeah. and now you've taken that to a next level are you was there a similar hesitation to being like i am a creator and is there any bit of you that's like how do I struggle with, I am a creator, but I still can, I like still have a ton to learn. I'm a novice in the space, but I can still identify and embrace that yeah. element. I love that question. And I, I don't know that, that I have a complete answer just to rattle off at you. When I think of, you know, it's so funny. We want to give everyone else all the grace in the world and we want to give ourselves none. So there's always that, you know, um, but I think that if you're a person that thinks that there's something that you want to get out there in the world and creating content online as a way to do it, I think just go do it. Mm. I'm, I'm always, so for my journey with the content creation bit, it was simply there was a brand within the CrossFit space that I was developing a relationship with that asked me to start to create reels in January of this year, 2022. And so I was like, okay, I'll try. And I had no following or anything like that. And that wasn't the intention. So I had the luxury of literally accidentally falling into it. Now I, I say that I started to intentionally create. So there was intention there and, and it's become a very intentional thing, but 
it started out simply as I wanted the relationship with the brand and the brand asked me to do a task. And so I said, okay, I'll try. And then it worked. <laughs> so, you know, Thanks, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and mind you, I mean, if, you know, your content is going to start, but I guess I knew that I was going to cringe over it and I knew mm. that I just needed to do it anyway. And so whenever I think of my relationship with content creation now, I thankfully have this perspective of a couple of things. One, if it feels right and true for me, I'm going to do it. And if it's not hurting anyone else, cool. You know, so I understand that there's content that I create that's not going to get realistically the views, likes, follows, mm. whatever, but it feels authentic to me and it's, and it's mine. And so I'm going to do that because it's that, I mean, I need to be able to enjoy it. And so I understand that there's probably a bit of holding myself back whenever I choose to do that as far as growth goes. But that's like whenever I first started my podcast, cause I have a podcast now as well. And my <clears throat> producer asked me, do you want to niche down into this one specific niche? And I said, no, I'm a multifaceted human and I'm just not going to do that. And I understand that may mean that my growth will take longer, but I need to do that for myself. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to creation, I think that one of the things is, understanding why you're doing what you're doing and doing it because it feels right and true for you and it's authentic for you and not allowing these outside opinions to be your North star because that will continue to feel empty. And I know what it's like to let other people's opinions determine my value according to me. And it's a scary place to be. A hundred percent. It's very frustrating, I think, as in, whether it be a creator or a coach, whatever, like you hear all the time, niche down, niche down, niche down. You gotta be in that specific niche and you can't exist outside of it, but you almost feel handcuffed sometimes. So good on you for just, I admire that you're staying true to you, even when all the gurus and, and people out there are saying, no, Claire, like you gotta, you gotta niche, you gotta niche. Uh, it's it's cool to see. Yeah, and, and everybody's journey is their own. And if you choose to niche down super hard and that works for you and you take the advice of someone who says to do that, I'm not here to tell you how to go about your thing. I'm just simply telling you how I choose to go about mine. I don't know that it's the right or the wrong way. It's what I'm choosing to do. Yeah, I mean, from what I can tell, it's working for you and you're figuring out and you're learning as you go. Yeah. What, I, what I'm curious to know and, and knowing a little bit more about your past, you've mentioned eating disorder, substance, battling with weight, all of this stuff, very much things that people could hear and you could be going through and say, you know, I am X, I am a result of this mm -hmm. and just live in that victimhood. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's an important distinction to differentiate between you can be a victim of things. Absolutely. Like no selling short things that have happened in our past, but it is up to us to potentially live beyond that and not let that event, singular event, define us in the long term. What has that process been like for you? Because I, I admire the crap out of you in your ability to have had past experiences, but still show up and create new experiences for yourself that help heal those past ones. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I admire you as well. And I'm really enjoying getting to know more about all the things that you're doing. You wrote a book. I'm so excited to read it. So I admire you as well. So thank you. Uh, you know, you're not defined by your past. 
and those are experiences that occurred but we are ever evolving humans and we always will be and to be able to take back agency in your life and stop being a victim is a beautiful thing and it often comes from a lot of fucking pain sorry if i'm explicit you're, you're okay well, explicit <laughs> but it comes from a lot of pain oftentimes and i'm no exception to that and if you arrive at uh, these enlightened moments without pain, I'm, I'm so happy for you. I just don't relate, you know, and, and that's okay. But for, for me, I got sober, you know, so I think we just have to go there. Because what occurred is I grew up um, drinking heavily, blackout drinking from age 13. And that was a big, big part of my life. And then, of course, as I got older, I just needed to. It was the coping mechanism that I relied on the most for the longest. And it's what I grew up with. It's what I knew. Mm -hmm. And and I knew that I could just numb out. And, and I'm, my brain's going all the time. And it was a way to get it to just hush. And the problem, if you're someone who is an alcoholic or is an addict, which I am, then you can't get back that first time. You can't get back that first numb that felt quiet and soft and peaceful and, and fun and whatever. And then you're just searching for the fun and it's elusive. And that was my experience. And so mm -hmm. I understand that there are many people who can consume substances and be okay and operate in life. I just don't qualify. And so anyway, I created a lot of trauma in my life. And you, through those experiences, you go through age 13 to age almost 29 being a blackout drinker multiple times a week, you are going to make wreckage in your life. Mm -hmm. um, I did. <laughs> and so I can look at many of those experiences that I had and, and feel like a victim. And I think there were times where I did. And then I just chose to drink and just look the other way. But it wasn't until the event that got me sober, which is where I wake up, I'm in a city that I don't live in because that's where I was uh, by that point. I was leaving where I lived to go do the things I was doing so that no one in my real life would see what I was up to. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I wake up, it's 6 a.m. ish. There's a girl sitting on top of me and I don't know how I got here and she's beating me up. And I, yet again, I mean, as to how I got into that room, I could have been dragged, I could have walked myself up there. There's no telling. I got myself in that room. My actions got me there. And it wasn't until that moment, there had been so many moments, so many stories similar to that, where I wake up, I don't know how I got here. And, but it was just like, it was my life. You know, I, I didn't realize how abnormal a lot of my behaviors were. And for whatever reason, it took that event to wake me up. And so I wake up, I'm being um, physically attacked. And, and then there's a screener, or there's a, there's a video being taken. Her friend is in the doorway taking a video, and then it gets put on social media. And then on social media, it gets screen recorded, and then it gets shared out with thousands of people that I know. So all of a sudden, all of these people that are in my real life are seeing this thing occur where I'm this person. And I'm looking in the mirror going, I don't know that girl anymore. Like, I don't even, I don't know her. I don't like her. You know, but, but that experience, that was mine. Everybody has their experiences. You know, yours are not the same as mine, mine are unique to me, but at the end of the day, like the emotions that you have to feel after trauma, like we can all relate on that, right? And so it, it took that level of public humiliation and shame for me to then recognize if I do not change my behavior, I will ruin everything good in my life. And so mm -hmm. that was the turning point for me then to take ownership of my own actions 
Because prior to that, it was just like, well, I was just intoxicated. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember what I did. I don't know how I did it. Whatever, you know? And then in that situation, that was finally what it took to make me go, oh, shoot. I am, even if I don't know how I got there, I got myself there. I have to own that. And then I have to do something differently if I want to be the person that I'm capable of being. And so that was a long and hard journey. But but taking ownership of your actions is something that, like, I think that, because like, you just, you do get to make the decision with whatever it is, whether it's, you know, your, your eating habits, whether it's your relationship with fitness, whether it's your relationship with substances, whether, it, you know, whatever, your, your relationship with social media, because that's a huge struggle point for people right now. Mm-hmm. That's another form of escapism. Whatever it is, you know, like at any point, you can decide the relationship that you're in, whatever. Like, you know what, I, I'm going to do this differently. And then you can just do it differently. And then you get to become the person who does it the way that you choose to do it. And that can happen instantaneously at any moment that you so choose. And so that was my moment. And then that's where I said, I'm not that person anymore. So mind you, it took, it took some time and I didn't blossom overnight and it was really messy and it was really hard and lonely. And I mean, I had to grieve the loss of relationships like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't believe because they didn't have space for the healthy version of Claire. But I got involved in a recovery program. I got involved in therapy. I let people be resources to me. I let myself gain a new community that could help me figure out how to live a different way. And anybody can choose at any moment to utilize different resources and to do different things whenever they're ready. You became coachable, Claire. I became coachable. I was desperate enough and had enough humility to show, show up and shut up and let someone else help me quick one for you. As someone who's moved around seven times in the last five years, I know how hard it is to find new experiences and more importantly, friends each place that life continues to take me. That's why we've created the Forever Athlete Social Club, a membership platform with curated experiences that help you grow closer to yourself and those around you. As a member of the social club, you'll receive a weekly experience to go and try in your community, as well as meet up events and opportunities to introduce you to like-minded individuals. Now, this isn't your cheesy alumni group filled with awkward conversation and overwhelming self-promotion from that one dude from high school that's just trying to help you get passive income in your life. No, the social club is a vetted, safe space for you to be your authentic self and grow with a like-minded community all over the world. Come join the free platform over at foreverathletesocialclub.com and start making teammates for life today. I'm going to say I love that. <laughs> and I don't mean like, I love the fact that you went through that, but no, I, yeah. I love, there's, there is some beauty in that moment for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I'd be curious since that moment to now, is it more or less just like taking it one day at a time and just saying, you know, like today, I'm just going to do what I can do. And I'm going to navigate the feelings that come up. And I'm also curious to know, like, what what does your coping get to look like now yeah. that you seem to have found some healthier outlets that serve Claire in this moment versus Claire two years ago? You yeah. know what I mean? Very different. I've learned a lot of tools, resources, skills from those people that I enlisted to help me. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a bunch of different stuff. Acknowledging that that I'm imperfect and I always will be. And giving myself the grace to always be imperfect. And just understanding like that's just how that's going to be. And so coping mechanisms today, you know, we all have coping mechanisms. It's like we're always going to. 
So can we evaluate the ones that we're currently utilizing and then work on it? Like we all can, I can right now. And, but, but so the ones that I, I focus on is I know that if I eat better, if I mm. eat foods that are nutrient dense, less processed, I show up better in the world. I feel better about myself. I feel I'm able to treat other humans better. The way that it impacts my brain makes me operate better. So that's, you know, I try to continue to have a relationship with food that is ever improving. And I use fitness as an outlet to cope with life and to get those endorphins and to get that high. I do the contrast therapy um, because, you know, and by that I mean hot and cold therapy, and I feel like that's another way, like, I'm, I, I, at this point I always say, like, I'm just looking for ways to safely get high, you know, and, like, I feel like you get high off of that, so. 32 degrees <laughs> will do that for you. Right, yeah. right. Uh, that, you know, being mindful. I think one of the things was when I got into therapy at that time is, is my therapist requested that I spend some time inside my own brain every day, mm. and I hadn't done that, like, Ever. I don't know when. You know, I mean, I wake up in the morning, a podcast is on, but I'm learning, it's educational. So this is totally cool, you know? And I just didn't, I was on a phone call, I was on something. I was never with my own thoughts. And so whenever I was asked to start to spend time with my own thoughts, it looked like not turning on the podcast when I got in the shower in the morning and just existing with me. Mm. And it was really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. I didn't have a lot of good thoughts at that time, but they got better. And then I started to realize like that was where I found inspiration. And so now I crave those empty moments, you know, mm. it's, it's creating solitude versus loneliness. And, and that requires intentional work to get there. You have to intentionally spend time inside your own brain to know who you are and what you think. So that's one of the ways that I cope with life is being intentional about spending time with myself. So call it mindfulness, call it meditation, mm. whatever that looks like for you. I think that that's a, just an instrument that I think is beautiful. Um, prayer is another thing, and by that I just mean simply giving it up, requesting to whatever higher power works for me that uh, you know that I'm not just a selfish, self-pitying, fearful individual, but instead that I just simply ask to get outside of myself. How can I be mm. of service to others today? What does that look like? And I'm not saying I'm some saint. I'm certainly. I have to ask for that every day because I'm a selfish human. I think about myself all the time. So it's, you know, simply enlisting those things, writing a gratitude mm. list, five things that I'm grateful for every day. It has this compounding effect where all of a sudden I find more things that I'm grateful for. And I just exist in this space of gratitude. But, and, and all of these are like simple, but actually taking the action day in, day out, you have to be very intentional about it. But, but the quality of life you get to experience if you do unless those mm. things for me is incredible. Yeah. So those are ways that I cope with life. And I think then we just have to look back to the, at the end of the day, these are all tools and resources I've learned. Don't get it twisted. There are days where I set them all to the side and I do it all wrong because I am still imperfect. But then knowing tomorrow's a new opportunity and a new day, and I was probably just experiencing some stress and anxiety and fear and whatever, and I was reacting in a way and just giving myself the grace to show up as a human and start back over. Like, you, you know, you get to, mm -hmm. I think that I've had to write a bio recently and, and am now. It's not so weird, <laughs> yeah. like writing bios just in general. I, get, I, I think I would have not even known what to say during that. Like, literally would have been like, 
she's an idiot, you know? And now I'm like, I have a Welcome, idea. ladies and gentlemen. Like, Today we're joined by Claire Bays. <laughs> you're not going to, you wouldn't have me on podcast. But then in that bio, it was really, really cool. And I'm thinking mm. about because I've accepted a position as a trainer at a facility here locally, which I'm just like over the moon excited about. And so thinking about that and what is my mission purpose there. And mm. I think that it really, truly is to help people realize versions of themselves that they don't even see today. Like, and that's, I think, the work that you're doing with this. Well, isn't it? I think it's a full circle moment for you, whether you realize it or not. That's what your teammate that you described back in that 2020 competition or 20, whatever Absolutely. year saw in you. Yep. And I think that's what's so powerful about us sharing experiences. Yes. It's not coming from a place of, look, I got it all figured out. Listen to me. These are, this is the only way to live your life. But it's like, hey, look. I want to share my experience for you to then be encouraged to create your own. And there's also a bit of, I recognize something in you and I'm going to need you to start recognizing that for yourself and live into that every single day. Mm-hmm. So I want to appreciate that, but that's, that was what was coming to mind for me. And the other element too, that you were talking about this, just this idea of removing stimulus and actually allowing I think so many of us were just so scared to listen to the thoughts that are going on in our own head that we don't actually remove any stimulus to give them time to even just get aired out and like think through. Mm-hmm. I like to say we have no choice in feeling feelings. Like it's part of the human experience, right? Like things are gonna happen throughout our life that trigger us. We do have a choice as to how long that feeling lingers with us. Mm-hmm. And we can learn to, I like to use the word flags and just big on them language that we're using, if we can play with emotion, if you can play with loneliness, if you can play with depression, sadness, anger, whatever this typically negative emotion is mm-hmm. that we've made up an association with, mm-hmm. if we can embrace play, now all of a sudden we can unpack it and it doesn't linger and stay, and we can talk about nervous system, right? Like it doesn't stay lodged in our nervous system and then you know another event down the road actually hits that same triggering point and you blow up either in like extreme bouts of depression or extreme bouts of anger and rage yeah. and all these things. Yeah. Um, but that was what I was hearing, this intentionality. And I love that you're just saying like, it looks differently every day. Being sober doesn't make you a saint. It doesn't make you this perfect person, but it allows possibility. It allows space. It's one less stimulus because you found that that stimulus in particular doesn't serve you. Mm-hmm. And it might serve people listening. That that's on them to decide, mm-hmm. right? That that's their experience. Mm-hmm. Those are just my thoughts. You got me going a little bit. Yeah, right? no, I love it. But I love that you're talking about your central nervous system and you're like looking at this from this like scientific perspective where I'm just like an all in my feels kind of girl, you know? And so but I love the like I mean there is science behind everything. I, one of the phrases that I love to live by, and once again, this was told to me by a mentor. And it is, we do not make long-term decisions based on short-term emotions. Mm -hmm. So when I'm experiencing emotions to now, and this is another thing a dear friend of mine, Erin Monson, talks about, and she spoke about recently on my podcast, but, uh, you know, just the experience of emotions and zooming out and recognizing that they are things that you are experiencing Mm -hmm. and not this, like, defining thing, you know, and so with the long-term decisions based on short-term emotions 
uh, it's been a real big thing this past year and have to put into practice in both good and bad. And so in the moments when I feel anger, sadness, all of those like negative emotions and in not being reactive to that and saying, oh, okay, I am at this like mm. elevate, like I am like heightened up right now. And I just need to take a step back and not react and see whether this actually aligns. Does this actually make sense to do something about? Or am I just in this moment and this will calm down? And then the same with the good moments. When I feel super excited about something new, the possibility of a romantic relationship, we have chemistry, are we actually compatible? You know, like things like that. Um, The good moments as well. And so allowing yourself to be present and feel those things in those good moments, those are beautiful. And being where your feet are, beautiful. But then also just taking a step back whenever you're like so excited about something and being like, does this actually align before we make that decision? Mm. Does this actually make sense? It goes on either side. Yeah, I mean, our ability to experience the highs is directly correlated to our ability to experience the lows. We need to be able to experience both, right? I, I love the analogy that you were, or you were explaining to me kind of the training on a week to week basis and how you're like, yeah, I pick like two weeks or not two weeks, two days a week (laughs) where you're just like, yeah, we're going to freaking send it and we're going to feel good. And then the other days of the week are about movement patterns and like building foundation and like feeling good. You have the active recovery days, you have the more passive recovery days, I'm sure as well, whether and still active, right? Like you're doing cold, hot therapy, all that's all that fun stuff, but it's no different, right? Like you need, to have the explosiveness, that explosive workout does not exist. You don't have the, the foundation built, or the, the recovery built in as well. It's a beautiful way to put that. You're 100% right. Thank you, thank that you. That was good, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just important to realize, and I, the other thing that you just mentioned there that I'd love to highlight is that ability to create space in between stimulus and response. We have no choice oftentimes with the state. Well, that's false. We do have some choices as to what stimuluses we allow into our life, right? Whether that be environmental, but even when we're very intentional about who we're surrounding ourselves with, what we are actually putting in our ears, consuming, watching TV, not watching TV, who you follow on social media, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a choice and we can actually train that gap in between stimulus and choosing a response instead of being reactive. You can be more selective and more proactive and checking in. How did you start to train that? Because it sounds like, I don't know whether you realize that's what you were doing or not, but it's exactly what has happened. It sounds like you've gotten very aware and maybe you're not an expert at it. I think it's, again, a learning curve and we're all getting there. Mm -hmm. But how did you start that process? Because someone might be hearing this and be like, okay, that's great, but like, where do I start? Yeah. I think specifically with that, just just pause, you know, recognize when you are in this reactive state, be aware, you know, something occurs and you want to react. And if you can just try, muster it, you know, and so, so then maybe you start your day with a prayer, meditation, mindful moment, affirmation, you call it whatever you want to call it, but start your day with an intention, that proactive thing you talk about. It's just being proactive early. I mean, I I talk about that with nutrition clients all the time. It's like, you know, if we don't, if we don't 
start our day with an intention of we're not proactive and we don't have resources available, we're going to get to the end of the day and we haven't eaten enough and now we're going to just go for the whatever candy and you know it's just going to get out of control. Whereas if we planned earlier in the day to have better resources on hand, we're far more likely to do better. And that's what we want, you know? Mm -hmm. So so you can apply that with if, if it's a person that's feeling like they're reactive often to social situations or, or what whatever it is, then setting that intention at the beginning of the day, I think that affirmations are beautiful. And, and if you don't know what affirmations you should say for you, I'm not here to tell you those, but I mean, I, the internet's a beautiful resource as much as it's a crazy place. You know, you can certainly get some ideas there and inspiration there and think about what areas do you actually want to work on? Mm. And so then maybe I start my day with this list of affirmations that I just say out loud, I read, whatever, and, and okay, I want to be able to pause when agitated and take a look. You know, I mean, just simple things like setting that intention early in the day. There's another thing I do, a daily inventory, and, and I'm not a saint of this, so when I say this, there are multiple days per week that I do not do this still, but it is a regular practice and I intend to do it daily. And, and it's asking myself a number of different questions. And, and so all of these, all these little tools, you know, mm -hmm. they, they help you with, with navigating life more peacefully. Cause ultimately, like, I think, I mean, certainly for me and probably for a lot of people, like we just want to navigate this thing more peacefully. We want to be present. We want to, you know, and, and I don't know if I touched on as far as all the coping mechanisms goes. One of the biggest ones is um, getting outside yourself for mm -hmm. me. And so when I start to feel crazy, when I start to feel lonely, when I start to feel depressed or afraid or any of those things, what what is one of the easiest things I can do is call somebody and mm -hmm. ask them how they're doing. Isn't that interesting? It's and you mentioned you got Red Rocks as well, a yeah. Bit, right? Yeah. Is that your your home church? You would say. I just born? started going there a month ago, and that's the oh. first time that I've attended church since I was yet very young. So. Uh, it's a very new experience. I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah. One yes. of the messages this past weekend, and this will be very delayed, and when this will actually be released, so if anyone at Red Rocks is listening, just know the context of the timeline. <laughs> um, but if you need encouragement, go be encouraged. You like go orient yeah, other people, encourage, mm -hmm. and then you will be encouraged mm -hmm. yourself. So I love that. That's that's what you're doing. That's what you're living. Yeah, and it's all just stuff that's been taught to me. You know, it was, it was finally getting to a place in life of so much discomfort. I was running the show. I'm in charge. It's my show, blah, blah. And then eventually it was like, well, sweetie, you're making a mess. Like, this is miserable. You're not having a good time. You're not treating other people well. You're navigating life, looking at every opportunity of what can you get out of others. And that feels pretty yippy yucky. And I did that for a while, guys. And then finally to show up to that place and go, okay, my answers are broken. Mm. So can somebody help me here? And then I got told to pray. And then I was like, excuse me. Really? Like, yeah, I don't know. That feels weird. Yeah. Oh, so weird. I mean, I'm literally like envisioning this white bearded man that I grew up with. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you, bro. We got problems. Uh, you know, but I, but I was desperate enough to be willing to take the action at the mm. time to go ahead and do it and just try to have a conception that worked for me that didn't have any sort of physical manifestation. It just was something outside of myself. And that felt peaceful. I love that. You have to get out of, out of yourself sometimes to find yourself. Oh yeah. 
yeah, you, it's it's that that balance of like you have to spend enough time inside your own brain to know what you think, but then, then you have flip to get it out around. Of it as well. Yeah, then you need to also go show up for others and others and be connected to other people because we are hardwired for connection. You know, we're all Almost. ultimately just like desperate to be seen and desperate to be loved, understood, yeah. heard, and yeah, those are some of our highest values. I think and the highest hierarchy of needs. Oh, um, yeah definitely foundational there uh, it's funny you know I talk a, a lot about flow on this and one of the things that's really fascinating to me about flow is when we find that state that blissful state maybe sometimes you lose your sense of self and like the the part of your brain that dictates like this is where Claire starts and stops mm-hmm. quiets down in flow and you feel like a part of something greater. That's where like love community like is so important. Um, but so because I'm ahead. unfamiliar with flow, and this is something that you spend a lot of time yeah. studying, can you explain to me and maybe your consumer already knows, and I apologize if not, but what do you mean by flow? So flow is any time that you kind of lose track of everything else and you're just like, you're locked in to this, you're present, this is the only focus that is on your mind. You're the most effective, you're the most efficient when you are in flow. Okay. Like the problems that you have, they disappear for a second. Like you're just dropped into this conversation or you're checking emails and all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, like an hour went by, that was crazy, but you got so much done during that time. Athletes are very familiar with it and maybe you find it in Metcons and Wise where you're like, it doesn't matter what 20 things you have to do today mm-hmm. like you're just lacking on that 14 minutes that you're working your ass off for so what's a practical tool that you could tell somebody that's interested in implementing flow what's one thing that they could potentially do to start to the flex bi- that muscle the biggest thing that you hit on earlier that actually applies to this is one understanding struggle is needed like you need struggle to develop skills mm-hmm. and then the this is like the flow cycle, it's like your roadmap essentially. Struggle is the first phase, then you need a release period, you need to remove stimulus to then make whatever it is that you're trying to find flow more exciting than whatever it was you were doing. Um, we look at that in a workout setting, right? You go through a warm up, you're really sore, you feel really beat up, but like you warm up, you loosen up, you start to feel good, you're going through that struggle, right? And then you would, it's also then a set of release, you probably finish your warm up, then you like set that intention. What is, what's the intention for the log? What is the focus for today's workout? Let's write that out. And then you drop in the flow, you're into that workout, mm-hmm. and on the back end you have recovery. Recovery is needed to then, because flow is so high energy. Mm-hmm. You're, you're ramping up your central nervous system so much mm-hmm. that you do need to calm down and accommodate for that okay. to then get it ready to go back in the struggle. So that's the easiest place I think for people to start is like cultivating this awareness of just Having check-ins throughout the day and checking in with themselves, like, where am I in the cycle? Am I in struggle right now? If I am, is that a good thing? We want to we want to struggle just shy frustration. Sure. I like to say we like to flirt with frustration. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. If I am frustrated, it's a clear-cut sign to the warning sign on my, my car right. that's telling me, hey, dude, it's time to go get this checked. Something's up here. It's yeah. time to go into a release. Yeah. This problem is causing you a lot of fits. Right. You're not going to get this piece of content out any faster if you continue to just like bang your head against the wall. Yeah. You need to take a step back and actually one of my favorite releases 
There's a lot of white walls in here. I just look at a white wall for like a minute, two minutes. Just stare at a white wall, pick a spot, no stimulus. And now all of a sudden, whatever I was doing, Claire, becomes way more exciting mm -hmm. than that white wall. Yeah. And I can find flow. I can, because flow is fueled by focus. So when you're focused, you're more likely to find it. Okay. Does that make yeah. all sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Uh oh. Okay, we're, we're good. good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Sorry, I totally don't. I think so. All good. All good. Um, yeah. Okay. We'll get, we'll get that cut out there. Um, so yeah, all of that to say, like when we find that flow state, that magical being place, that and honestly, like that's the that is the state that what I've come to realize, like I was chasing for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. You were chasing in other areas of your life as well. And something clicks for you where you can find it in other areas. You start to find it in religion. Like I read a really, really interesting book lately called Why God Won't Go Away, Neuroscience of Religion. Yeah. Why we find religion so like when we're bought in, like we're so all, engaged. Right. We're all drawn to it. And it's because there's this sense of you can lose yourself in something bigger. And then the flip side of that, when you come out of that flow experience, you really truly lose yourself. You actually have a firmer sense of self afterwards. Mm -hmm. Which I think is fascinating. It is. And it sounds like you, in your whole journey up until this point, you've just found better places that serve you where you're losing yourself and reaffirming a sense of self that you can be proud of and that you can hang your hat on and say, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that I made that decision mm -hmm. versus how you were, maybe were living beforehand. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, none of us get to escape humanity, mm. you know, like we're going to have to, yeah, it's, uh, I was having a conversation with someone earlier this week. I've had this conversation a couple times recently, actually, but just about specifically for me with sobriety so you can take it and apply it to any struggle yet again but just that when you choose to do something differently in life the reality is that that transition is going to be hard work mm. and then if you want to keep that habit that you have newly formed it's gonna be more hard work but yeah. at least with the topic at hand for me sobriety it was I'll actually be present for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll know what, I'll remember it. I'll know what's going on. So for me, that hard work, it, it beats the alternative every time. Because yeah, it's gonna be hard forever. Being a human is always going to have its challenges. Like you're just gonna, we're not getting out of it, you know? But we do share that in common. And yeah. so we can share that with others. And the more space that we can give our struggles with ourselves and shed a little bit of light on those with others, then all of a sudden that common humanity thing is beautiful and it allows you to suddenly have less shame attached to your humanity because we all are. <laughs> We're all just humans out here trying, you know? We're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Even the people with microphones are still figuring it out, <laughs> you know? No, seriously. <laughs> yep. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I wanted to, to be mindful of, of your time here. And um, one of the last questions I want to ask you is, you know, right now, 
what is it in your life that you're you're just most proud about like you're really lit up that you're just you see and you're like way to go everything it's a great answer life is crazy i when i say as a coach that i'm stepping into that role more and more and what i feel i am called to do is to help people realize versions of themselves they don't even know mm. they are capable of being today that's because that's that's who's showing up today never before did i think i was going to get the opportunity to be this girl never never and here she is and she's got a lot of work ahead and she's going to be a totally different version of herself in the future too and there's going to be a lot of struggle packaged in with that it's not going to be some sunshine and rainbows experience it's going to continue to be a grind but what a gift to get to experience it all. Mm. So, I mean, what I'm excited about, I'm just excited about, I mean, I, I, I do speak on this relatively often, but just that my grandmother was a very big part of my life and she was, um, had a pretty, like the biggest hand in raising me. Mm. She passed away last year in February. I got sober in April. You can imagine how those mm. two months went. Um, with, that her being my grandmother, I grieve the loss of her. I'm always gonna miss her. I'm always gonna wish I still had her. But her profound impact on my life was so significant. And so I think like I'm fired up about the fact that I now get to be this version of Claire that's going to be able to positively impact others. And like, that's her, that's her working through me. And she's mm. going to have a very broad reach well after her passing because of those beautiful gifts that she gave to me. And so I'm fired up about that. I'm fired up about helping other people get sober. That's something I'm real passionate about. It just mm. goes and kills people every day. Uh, but life, I mean, life is just good. And there are areas I wanna work on. I mean, I can talk about the fact that some of the biggest things I struggle with today are my own eating habits, which, which are in a much better place than they've probably ever been. But mm -hmm. you know, it's still something I'm working on. And then relationships, you know, I, I want to be open to romantic relationships today, you know, I'm like, <laughs> we got some stuff to work through there. And so there are areas that I'm excited about working on that are not where I want them to be today, mm. but that's okay. We're going to have to, to have you back on and we can talk sober dating and all of that fun <laughs> stuff and swap stories. Oh my gosh. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, help, help me, give me information here. Cause I'm like, what, how do you even, oh gosh, yeah. But there've been so many other things yeah. to focus on. 100%. And so it's, it's, I'm completely at peace with the fact that that's not exactly where I want it to be today. Because mm. look at all the other stuff that's going on. <sighs> awesome. It's kind of tough to water all the plants at the same time, right? Like yeah. sometimes you might need to put more attention towards other areas and, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. I want to end with a fast five, a little rapid fire here. Okay. A little fun stuff. One sentence, one word answers. First one being, Outside of your own podcast, what is your go-to that you're jamming to? Podcast-wise that I consume? Mm -hmm. Jay Shetty, on purpose. Love it. Number two, favorite book that you've read in the past year? Favorite book that I've read in the past year? Of course, I've, let's see here. I guess probably, uh, was Green Lights within the past year? Green Lights was really good, Matthew McConaughey. Brene Brown, athlete, or Atlas of the Heart, that was really good. That one's a really good one for like the topics we've been speaking about today. So I'm going to ditch that out. Beautiful. Number three, what is something that you can't live without? Food. Love it. 
true athlete here. <laughs> Number four, what is a quote that you live by? A quote that I live by. Uh, my grandmother lived by this one, and I certainly um, need to do the same. A key to a vital life is an eagerness to learn and a willingness to change. Mm. If that doesn't tell you who she was, I don't know what would. Love her. Last one. Number five, if you could sum up your focus right now with just one word, what is it? Expansion, growth. Expansion dash growth. Got it, got it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Claire, seriously, this has been an absolute blast. I want to acknowledge just the girl that you are and the way that you're showing up in this world is very refreshing. It's very, you asked me before sitting down, be like, why did I want you on the show? It was because of that. I took notice of just the light that you bring and you have all the reason not to shine that light yet. Here you are doing the damn thing. Yeah. And so I just want to acknowledge you for that and say I appreciate your time coming here. Where can those listening in find more of this beautiful shining light that you are putting out into the world? Thank you. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for giving me the space to get to have this conversation. I am so looking forward to, like I mentioned, reading your book, which is Forever Athlete. I'm very excited to dive into I that. suck at self-promo, so this is great. Yeah. Thank no, you. I'm super stoked. I didn't know that you did that. And also, I just appreciate it because now I get to have this friendship with you. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your time and for feeding me before the food was amazing. Anyway. Uh, okay. So where can they find me? Where can they find you? Yeah. So uh, if you, I do have a podcast, Conversations with Claire. It comes out once weekly episodes and the whole idea there is just to have conversations that are meaningful and to make the guest relatable enough that you can be inspired by them and realize that mm. these people are not outliers. They may lead what we see as exceptional lives today, but they are also human as well. And so that's my podcast. That's the premise. And you can find me on Instagram at Claire Bays, C-L-A-I-R-E-B-A-Y-S. The link tree in the bio there will take you to all the other stuff I'm up to. I'm up to all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and let's go ahead and just say it here. The thing that I just agreed, I just accepted. So I just moved to Austin, Texas a few months ago. And my trajectory to get here was interesting. I was brought here by a brand that then did not hire me. So talk about fear. Mm. <laughs> um, grateful to be here. I knew it at the time. It was the right place to be anyway. But um, I've accepted a position as a trainer over at the collective here in Austin. So I'm like super stoked about that. So that's going to be so that space that people can find you. Beautiful. Well, by the time this is released, we got about, honestly, like a seven week lead time. Oh my gosh. Um, you'll probably already be a trainer. Though, I, will so have, I will have some experience it, under my belt. If you made it this far, <laughs> yeah. go check out Claire at Collective. Yeah. Go get a workout in with her. I promise you. She, you're in good hands with her. You didn't let me do anything too stupid today, so appreciate great. it. Yeah, he rocked it, guys. He's an athlete. Shocker. <laughs> Beautiful. The theme of the show. Appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to share Claire's story with a friend, family member, or teammate, because together we go far. And until next time, flow on, my friends.